At Redeemer, as we continue growing in our understanding of our own story, we are gathering and sharing the stories of the people in this place. With our podcast, Interrupting Grace, Living Into the Way of Love, we will share these stories. The stories of grace in action, the stories of love in the world, the stories of living the way of love. How are you the Interrupting Grace? The Way of Love at Home series is part of our Interrupting Grace podcast. In this series, Philip Duvall and I will discuss Life Transformed, the Way of Love in Lent. Rest. Receive the gift of God's grace, peace, and restoration. From the beginning of creation, God has established the sacred pattern of going and returning, labor and rest. Especially today, God invites us to dedicate time for restoration and wholeness within our bodies, minds, and souls, and within our communities and institutions. By resting, we place our trust in God, the primary actor who brings all things to their fullness. Almighty God, by the Passover of your Son, you have brought us out of sin into righteousness and out of death into life. Grant to those who are sealed by your Holy Spirit the will and the power to proclaim you to all the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood at their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortals, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore I prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. 
We do not live in a culture that encourages rest. All too often, we are forced to work harder and longer hours, and it shows in our health. Yet, from the beginning, God, who rested on the seventh day of creation, set rest into the pattern of all life. Truly practicing the way of love means spending time with God in Sabbath rest. Not everyone has the luxury of long breaks and vacations, or even days off. Still, we can help each other find ways internally to pause and receive the gift of Sabbath. The act of rest and restoration is part of the cycle of rebirth that is God's hope for us and gift to us. In the exciting story of the Valley of the Dry Bones, we hear the way God sent God's breath, the Holy Spirit, onto the field of bones. That very breath was enough to reanimate them and bring them back to fullness of life. Making Sabbath rest has the same impact. Sabbath rest provides the opportunity for God to refresh us, to breathe new life into us. When we neglect Sabbath time with God, we can begin to feel withered and tired, just like those dry bones. This is no coincidence. When we constantly run from activity to activity without breathing and returning to God, we come depleted and dry. The Gospels record numerous times when Jesus retreated to a place of Sabbath to reconnect with God and to receive the strength he needed to continue his ministry. In Luke 5, when the news about Jesus spread and crowds gathered around him, Jesus withdrew and prayed. Studies have shown that people who take longer breaks, take regular breaks from work, have higher rates of creativity and productivity. It should come as no surprise that the ritual of baptism follows the pattern of death into life. That is the Sabbath cycle in action. So I want to look at the, the reading in and of itself. Um, yeah. And the, the it's, it's interesting. When I was reading it, I was thinking of that this breathing of life is often... Um, many cultures creation story mm. that um, and it just kind of rang true in this idea here or I don't know if, if it if it feels like a creation story but it it has that idea of life being breathed into to death like something that is already dead or something that yeah. is not alive that life comes into it it's interesting well, this story is always read before Easter at the Easter Vigil, and so it's connected to this idea of new life, of of, of life coming out of death. Right. I do find it kind of funny that we're talking about rest and the example they give is like <laughs> dead people. Yeah. But okay. Okay. Um, it is – I mean, I get it. The idea that we're looking at here, I think, is – the recognition that God has the power to give us the strength that we need to be re-energized and revitalized, that that the any power we have is found not in our own, it's not by our own power right. that we move. It's in God's what God gives us. It's a gift. Right. And I do I do think that's an important thing to think about here. Well, in this language of the breath was enough to reanimate them and bring them back to fullness of life. Whatever, whatever it looks like for us, whatever that rest looks like, it's it's um it's a filling up time, right? Instead of a depleting time, even even with that visual of breath going in rather than that kind of continual exhalation, 
um, in some way. Well, that's the thing about the Holy Spirit is it's a movement inward and outward. Mm. That the breath is something that you draw in, but it's also something that you exhale. So it's never static. It's not about resting within you. It's movement. It's an animating reality. Mm. So God's God's spirit is not something that like hangs out in you. It is something that moves. I mean, it does. I believe that God is in that sense, but in the spirit sense, connecting it to breath, it is, it, it's a, it requires an inward and outward movement. It require. it is not just mm. a static thing. It is like a, um, it fills you up and then it leaves and then it fills you up and then it leaves. Right. And that's, but not once or twice or every once in a while. I mean, breathing, good, healthy breathing is, is repeated, is, is, you know, consistent and rhythmic. Mm -hmm. And when you focus on meditation or prayer or contemplation or yoga, you find a need to connect to your breath in a conscious way. I, I remember specifically, and it might, yeah, I remember specifically when I was a freshman in college, I was taking this pluralism class. Mm. And so I was, Alongside of that, I was taking voice lessons, right? So, and we were working on breath support and kind of understanding that a little more um, like uh, mechanically, right? So that that I could strengthen that. And um, we went to a Buddhist temple and however the, 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 the time together started, but there was this idea um, of that breath, right, coming in, but then mm. keeping that expanded, essentially expanded belly, right, to keep that supportive yeah. breath. And that was the first time I ever understood like breath support and um, right. how how we take this breath in and use it, and then in turn push it back mm. out, right, all while yeah. holding that space for it to be there. Like you never lose yeah. that space for it to to fill up. Um, and then, then releasing it, but keeping it's it's like almost like you're holding that space for that breath to come back. Um, and I, and as well, I say, it, it, that was the first time it really, like when we were talking earlier about like click moments, like that was definitely an, an aha moment of like, oh, this awesome. is what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I focused a lot, um, through my life, not on purpose. I never like thought about it in terms of like focusing on my breath. Like that's not, I've never been like, you know, I really need to focus more on breathing, <laughs> right. which I should. I mean, that's, you know, but I've focused on things that required that of me without knowing it. So I, I did, uh, you may be pleased to know, there's a few things I haven't already talked about in my life, but <laughs> you may be pleased to know I did karate when I was a kid. Look at that. And, uh, and uh, so much of when you learn how to do a kata mm -hmm. uh, or opinion, which, you know, series of movements, you, they're always, if you're doing it correctly, connected to breath. Mm. And we would practice our our blocking and our and our technique with breath. Um, and then I was a theater guy, and you have to part of projection is learning how to use your breath. And and then if there were times when I would be practicing working on an accent mm. um, or a dialect, that it turned out so much of that was with your breath. Or the one or two times I did a musical, having because I was not, I did I was in choir, so I knew a little bit of that. But then when you do musical theater, you have to like train yourself to understand where your breath is coming from, um, you know, how you're making, are you making sounds up here in your head or from down here, all those different things they say, but learning, learning all that. And, um, 
and so being conscious of your breath in terms of how you how you perform um and then and then i did for a period of time and it's been a while but there was a period of time where i was when i was fairly regularly practicing yoga mm. and of course that's yeah you know the that is all breath right that is breath and movement i mean people can say it's about all this other stuff but it's about breath and movement right um and and that idea of connecting in all of those cases it, you recognize that the breath it's fascinating because it can be something you don't think about at all and it's giving you life yeah but when you think about it and when you're intentional about it you're not by the way you're not introducing something new again you're still breathing right you're just tapping into something that's existing and is and is literally giving you life. Well, I was you saying that I was literally thinking the same thing as far as like we so often take it for granted, right? That there are these times that we are intentionally like I was thinking about boxing and like punching, you have an intentional exhale, right? Like you're making yeah. yourself breathe so that you can continue to breathe, right? Yeah. So it's it's in, in all of these kind of examples, it's this idea of, oh, maybe we need to pay attention to it more than we actually think we should. Like, yeah. I mean, when we think of life be or breath being breathed into someone, um, there's so much more, right? Like there's so much more than than just, oh, go on your merry way and you're just going to breathe for the rest of your life. And right. for some people, that's not an option, right? Like that's, it's um, yeah. so. You've ever heard of circular breathing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my, my buddy, my roommate in college uh, learned how to do it because he learned how to put the didgeridoo. Oh, yeah. He literally trained himself to circular breathing. If you don't know what circular breathing, I mean, you know, but for others mm -hmm. who are listening, you don't know. Like it is a way to essentially never stop if you if you're playing an instrument that requires you to blow air out, you train your body to learn how to breathe in through your nose while you're continuing to blow air, air out of your mouth. So you're not technically inhaling and exhaling at the same time. Like you're not magically both pulling in and drawing air out at the same time of your lungs, but you are learning how to hold air in your mouth that you can blow out while continuing to breathe in and out consistently through your nose so that the sound you make never stops. Right, right. Which is crazy i don't know i have by the way i have zero theological reflection on that. <laughs> it's I just, just in general nuts well you know what here's 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 the thing that i want to because maybe it's a bridge in this way i hope this isn't too much of a reach but but like the idea of never stopping the breath mm -hmm. but we're supposed to be talking right now about rest mm -hmm. so i'm curious about when it's okay to stop and like the breathing that I've learned, like the breathing, I think it's, they call it even, I think it's like, um, I don't know what they call it, like, like where you do, like you do a square in, in your, in the box, with your hand a box. And, box, and yeah. you do four breaths in, hold for four, four, I'm sorry, four second inhale, hold it in for four, four second exhale, mm -hmm. hold it out for four. That requires a stopping of even the breathing. Right. And that's supposed to lower your heart rate and calm you down. Like physiologically, it is supposed to chill you out. So I don't know where, where like. It's almost like there's this, um, this idea that uh, we, we breathe all the time. We're always breathing, but it's that moment. I mean, in the examples that we're giving or in looking at, um, 
the examples they have given, like this idea of being conscious of your breath is not just a normal time. So like, what does it look like to, to, is the rest recognizing your breath? Like, is that, is that the rest or is that, um, it says, but rather make Sabbath, Uh, It says, it has been said that we don't take a Sabbath, but rather make Sabbath. Rest is an intentional act. Take time now to intentionally reflect on the practice of Sabbath making together. So thinking of, it's almost like the inverse, right? Like if we, if we are heightened to the understanding of our breath, we are then able to rest. I mean, I think that's a little too literal personally, but um, I don't know. I do find it um, fascinating when you look at the language around rest and whenever you start talking about resting, if you notice even in the language of what you read today, and everyone should know Annie doesn't write that. That's from the National Church's mm-hmm. literature. Um, it's all good. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good. But but the, uh, <laughs> says I, Um <laughs> Uh, but, but, but there's, yeah, I, I do decree. Um, but I, no, but I was going to say, you know, um, it's always fascinating when we say, you know, oh, rest is a good idea. And then we immediately try to validate that statement. One by saying, I mean, things like, you know, it's been, studies have shown that uh, uh, regular rest leads to higher levels of creativity. In other words, like, how do we be more efficient? Well, actually, counterintuitively, rest will help you be more efficient mm-hmm. because of and productivity are the actual end-all be-all, and that is the goal. Or we do this other thing, which I don't hate, because anytime we can talk about Jesus, I'm happy. When they're like, now here are the times when Jesus rested so that you know it's okay. I a little bit want to be like, God said uh, rest. Like, and then you're like, yeah, but for- Stop, no, like, no, stop, right? right? Like, you know, when I was growing up, I hated it, but my parents, when my mom said, because I said so, I ended up doing it. And I was thinking about Lenten practices earlier and about how we try to come up each year. It's like you try to curate your Lenten practices mm-hmm. for you. This tailor made for you this year. What if you were just like, do what the Catholics do? And they're like, so here's the deal. I'm going to give these things up. And on Fridays, I don't eat meat. And and, and, and it's it. like, and then you're like, well, like, well, but, but what, why just do it. And, and in that scenario, you're working it into your life, right? Yes. Like you're not making it this huge thing. I mean, on some level, some people do. Episcopalians won't work something into their life until they can rationalize why it's there. Right. And we could use a little bit of like, because I said so. So it's interesting. The problem is we don't trust authority. So you right. have to, I mean, unless it's the New York Times or NPR. So you have to find like- um, New York or that one in there. Right. I have to I have to find a way to be grumpy about it. Um, the, 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 but like you, you, like there's really something if someone and and I get it right friends like we 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 come from a tradition right or we come in a context a Christian context where most of the Christians around us in this world and in our country are essentially using God as an authoritarian yeah. to justify behavior and say God said it God meant it do it or else mm-hmm. so I get that I get I genuinely get and I carry a lot of skepticism and and, and frankly cynicism within me. And so the whole, like, because I said so doesn't always work, but sometimes it is an act of faith towards the person with whom you are in relationship 
to just do the thing they ask you to do. Like just, just do the thing. Yeah. I think I, and I've, I've noticed this with myself. Well, first I was looking up the definition of rest. So cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself or, or recover strength. And then the second is be placed or supported so as to stay in a specific location or position, specified position. So, um, at least in that case, there's this idea of support, right? Which I kind of, I didn't really think of. But the other thing is, I do this as, exactly as you just said, and I know a lot of people do it. Like, and I'm fascinated by people that can just say a statement and that's it. Like, that's the end of the statement because that's what it is. Like, I don't, I don't know what the statement is, but maybe it's like, um, I rest on, I take my day off on Friday. I want to add the because at the end. I need to, like, I'll add two becauses afterwards because, right? <laughs> every, literally every time. And then there's people in the world that make a statement. I'm like, how did you just, just say that? Like, that's what it is. And that's all. <laughs> did you see that? Did you see that like TikTok or whatever it was with a woman who was like taking all the exclamation? I think you were the one who sent it to me, who taking all the exclamation points out of her email. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's, you know, uh, like, like, because, because exclam- so it's funny when you and I were growing up, you would never use exclamation points. Right. They either meant you were angry or like overly excited. And, and now in, in correspondence specifically with text messages, which is a huge part of our correspondence as people, if you don't put exclamation points, it seems like you're upset or, or, or disappointed right. or Falling disconnected or, or whatever it is. Something. Yeah. You have to be like, exclamation point, exclamation point, sentence with a period. So I don't seem crazy. <laughs> exclamation point. Goodbye. Right. And, um, but so like the idea of like, what would it look like? And, and I've seen some of these other things that are saying like, how do we, how do we shift away from apologizing for our decisions? And, in, and I would say specifically, what would it look like if I was able just to say like, so I take Fridays and Saturdays off and not have to say anything else. Literally. Right. Well, I take Fridays and Saturdays off. Well, I thought clergy are so busy. I understand that that can be the pattern. And one of the things that I'm doing is taking my, these are the days that I take off. Right. But like, what if I didn't say anything? Just unless somebody asks, someone asks, I can describe it. Right. It's, I have reasons, but genuinely, if, if you're explaining yourself without being asked, it is because you feel insecure, not necessarily about the decision you've made sometimes, but about how others will perceive it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've talked a lot about throughout this series as we've talked through Lent of my own sort of wrestling with what I think other people think about me. Right. And so when I make a decision that might make perfect sense for my health and for everybody, and 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 maybe no one would even question it, or most people wouldn't, I still feel the need to sort of explain it. Yeah. Do you do that? I do. The idea of community and the idea of, like, when we're talking about this idea of prayer and this idea of, um, like, learning that we talked about. Um, so much of it is, um, like God's already there, right? We just have to show Mm. up. It's almost in some case, in some sense with rest, we on some level have to show up to it, right? Like they're like, but nothing else. That's it. I'm not going to say it because I'm not going to. I mean, I'm doing it now. I'm not going (laughs) to. Right. Well, we're having a very technical conversation. (laughs) We need to say that because now, so we don't have to say it later. I don't right. know if that's true. That's not true. I, I, 
I would love to get to a place where I just said, these are my days off and that's full stop. And if someone asked, I could say, because of God and then move on because it's true. It's weird how we have to explain why we're tired. Right. You know, uh, um, my, you know, one of my favorite comedians, Tom Papa does a whole bit about this where he's like, people say like, I don't know why I just, in the middle of the day, I just get so tired. He's like, you don't know why, like an alarm goes off to wake you up from a dead sleep in the middle of a morning in the early in the morning. And you get dressed and go to a job you you only sometimes like to do a bunch of work where half the time you're not even doing anything connected to what you care about. And then in the middle of the day, and sometimes if you're lucky, you get a half hour to eat a sandwich. And then it turns out in the middle of the day, you're tired. What? What's? Why are we surprised by yeah, it? Yeah. And at the end of a week of doing that, you do that for five days in a row. Shockingly, you're tired of that too. Like right now is my Friday, right? When we're taping this, this is my Friday. And this is typically the way we've been doing it. It's like the last thing I do before my quote unquote weekend. And uh, I'm tired right now mm -hmm. because I've worked a full week. Right. That's the reason why I'm tired. Yeah. And yet I'm sitting here being like, oh, I feel so bad that I'm tired. I mean, I don't, right now we're talking about it. So I feel defensive about right. it. But, you know, I'll be like, I can't believe I'm so tired. Why can't you believe it? How many years of being human do you have to be? Right. Before you realize that people get tired for doing things and from emotional things. Mm -hmm. So I was scrolling down to see like what the way of love definition of rest is because it wasn't really oh, in the top part. Pause, reflect. Mm -hmm. So it's receive the gift of God's grace, peace, and restoration. Receive mm -hmm. the gift of God's grace, peace, and restoration. And um. so just simply receive yep yep mm. and like i forget which what episode we were talking about it but it's so much of this like we have a reflect we have a share we have a receive this the receive right is so much of just us taking it in and yeah. um i kind of am offended but it says by resting we place our trust in god the primary actor who brings all things to their fullness um Ooh, tell me why you're offended. I think I'm you don't you don't get offended very often. I don't often really get offended. And I don't know why it offends me, but maybe I'm maybe I need to read it again. By resting, we place Wait. our trust in God. That mm -hmm. uh it's assuming that I'm not putting my trust in God if I'm not resting. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. But again, this just is so just sit with that. There's just so much of is that what was is that what was rubbing you the wrong way the idea that 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 rest like like if you're not resting you're not placing your trust in God yeah because obviously a lot of the things we do for work we're hoping that in the activity we're placing our trust in God right hmm. I like when you get offended. <laughs> We we could do we could do twenty episodes just on the things that offend me. I, I you know so that's just fun. This is super fun. You got it. About. You got one. So what bothers? Let's go for. So let's do. I want to. I want to. Uh, as we say in the business. Yeah, go on. Say say more about. Say that. more. Say more. Say more about that. I think again, um, there's something to this where I want to keep adding the because. Right. I just hit this. I want to mm -hmm. keep adding the because, um, in uh. I want to um, give my explanation as why 
right? And um, I feel like there's an assumption here that uh, that uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, okay, something's. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. You go. Keep so, going. And and so and I don't know why this specifically. I don't know why rest rubs me this way because we've had this conversation in the last episodes. Like it's been something where I've been like, all I have to do is sit here. All I have to sit here is 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 sit here and receive, and God is there, and mm. and that can be it. But for this, I don't know. I feel like, and it might be society. It might be work. It might be those that are surrounding us that like create this idea of, I think there's such a stigma and I don't think I realized it until literally I felt offended by these words. <laughs> a stigma around rest being still. Yeah. Being Resting. still. This is good. Like I, okay. like I, so like the thing is, is there was so like for a long time, you got me going for a long time. Um, there's this, I, I, I can't stop my brain. Like my brain doesn't stop. We've talked about this before. And the only like boxing helps my brain stop because if I'm thinking about something else, you'll get hit in the face. Right. Literally. Yeah. And video games, because there is something you're actively doing, but it's almost like this idea of um, resting in some way. Right. Like I play Angry Birds on my phone. Right. Because because my brain is engaged in In a puzzle. Very Guys, video games are just puzzles. Yes, yes. And your body and your brain needs to do its active recovery, essentially. Yes. Yep. Yep. Mm. Anyway, that's where my head is. But go on. So that's, you have these spaces. So where I you have do these spaces where I can active, right, where I can do this, and where you're giving your brain a break mm-hmm. from going, going, going. Right. It's almost that. Like, you no, know you need that. Right, and it's almost that like step down level, right? Like that's the next step. Uh, my step after that is sometimes I don't realize I'm sitting in silence, but I'm sitting in silence. And the next thing I know, it's like two hours later. I was talking to my therapist about that earlier. So, By the way, if you do a crossword puzzle, that's acceptable. If you play chess, that's fine. If you Sudoku. Um, do a Sudoku or a jigsaw puzzle, mm-hmm. that's cool. But if you play a video game, you're a degenerate. Isn't that like <laughs> hilarious? What kind of generationalist crap is that? Like it's so garbage, uh, but it's oh, but it's tapping into what's making like so. Here's what I'm thinking about. You know what you got? Okay, so you got me thinking during this, this when you were talking about this, um, about this like getting offended by needing to pr- prove I deserve like all that, right? Okay, I this is another one of the situations where I've ne- I'm like I don't quite know how to say what I'm going to mm-hmm. say, so we're going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But um, so we've got a problem of authority, not a problem with authority. I'm not saying we're scared of authority. I am saying we have an authority issue, people, and our our generation, I think, definitely, where we don't know where to, like, like mm. whose authority is the right authority? And, and essentially, when I'm in therapy, a lot of the times I'm just thinking, like, I think the what you realize when you get older and you do the work and you realize in the ways that you've been naturally, like all people have disillusioned at some point with your parents because it's what happens as, as a, it's part of growing up is there was something in your mind that equated them with the author with objective authority, like godlike authority. And that needs to do that for a healthy thing that needs to dissolve. But then does the whole concept of, un, of, of, of absolute authority dissolve as well? 
is there anything certain? Who decides if what I do is valid or not? I was having this conversation. It was kind of a conversation. I wasn't ready to go deep into it with somebody who was was grumbling online with, with me in, in interaction about quote unquote cancel culture. Now that's a whole big thing. And I we're not going to do the whole thing here. We're just not. But what I noticed about what he was saying was how if you've ever made a mistake or done things you shouldn't have done, that people begin to harass you online, in Twitter, and this and that. And I remember thinking, like, that may be true, and that may not be the right way to behave. I don't believe in harassing and treating people like, I don't believe in treating people poorly. I believe in holding people accountable, but that doesn't necessarily mean treating them. But, but I remember thinking, like, and this is so, like, this is me sounding like an old man now, but I remember just being like, well, you could just go off Twitter and construct relationships with people in real life who, who will just hold you accountable in real and practical and measurable ways, but also be gracious to you and not just quote unquote cancel you. That cancel culture is, is, is whether the power of it, however it's understood positively, negatively, I tend to actually think there's a lot of positivity to it, mm -hmm. but, 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 but we'll get that again. I don't, we don't, we're not going to backdoor our way into that conversation. The whole concept of it really only matters within the context of whose voices we are allowing to shape popular culture. And, and it, and you should only be worried about yourself in that if you are really concerned with being an authoritative voice in culture. Mm-hmm which 99% of people shouldn't care about at all. Right. You should just be living your life. And it doesn't mean without social media. I'm not saying like, remember the days before social media when people just w ran around in fields and lived the dream. Sent uh, you a carrier some, pigeon. Lit, lit some patchouli and sent each other a letter by carrier pigeon. No, 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 no. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying, but like, do you know who I talk to on social media? My friends. And I can count on one hand the number of people that I've become friends with that I didn't know in person already. Right. I use it primarily as a motive of, in, of interaction with people that I already know and love. And so for me, none of them are going to quote unquote cancel me because when I'm a jerk, which I am, then they'll tell me because we're in a relationship. Right. And so I, I guess, I guess, but, but I bring that up to say we have a problem. So, so when we rest, we are concerned because we don't know by whose authority we have the right to rest. Absolutely. So as Christians, if we can say God commands it mm -hmm. and then take seriously the fact that you and I are meant to be obedient to the one who made us, then do we actually need more authority than that? Right. And if someone doesn't get that, that's between them and their God. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And the thing that, and I, I don't know how this relates, but the thing that pops up for me is this idea of receiving the gift of God's grace. And that idea of grace in this context of mm. accountability, right? And um, whether it's, it's the authority of God whether the authority of God lies some of that grace for us in this world, right? That, yeah. that um, 
we we can allow for ourselves to have that grace and peace, which then in turn comes that restoration in some way. Um, but this idea of grace uh, with rest in our culture makes sense to me. Like there's this idea, like I think if I just have a little bit of grace with myself or yeah. if somebody else has a little bit of grace with, with you or with me, right. right? Then, then, then. It, Are you being hard on yourself? Take a rest. Yeah, exactly. Never, don't, don't say never be hard on yourself. Come on. We're human. Right. We're going to be. Right. Can you take a rest from being hard on yourself? Oh, well, yeah, maybe. You know what you just made me think of when you were saying that? Cause you know, the word grace comes from gift. Okay. So grace literally means a gift. Okay. Um, Grace is, is, it is not, it, this is why, and you've heard some people say like, I always find it funny when, 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 and it's usually a Protestant, it's usually like a, it's usually like a Calvinist. Mm -hmm. They'll say something like unearned, un, an unearned mm. gift. Okay. Well, here's the deal. All gifts are unearned. Right. That's why they're gifts. Right. If they were earned, that's just compensation. <laughs> okay. Like that's just when, like when you're like, I need, I'm going to rest. And someone's like, well, it's well earned. I'm like. Well, and I, I will sometimes say, even if it's not, I'm going to rest. <laughs> I'm doing it anyway. Like, like it's a well-earned rest. And I get when people, I get like, we deal with humans. And that's, give, humans, that's you, giving you, know. you like props. That's giving you like, you've yeah, done good some, work. Well like, all of it. Yeah. Thank you. Even if it's not well-earned, I shall rest. Even <laughs> so. But the reason I bring up that it's a gift is like, so if you opened your door, your front door, and there was a, and there was a gift on the front, on your front door. Mm-hmm. And it says, and you, and you, and, you, and and I'm not trying to. It's not. This is super hypothetical. So, and it's from God, and you know that. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's not like it says from God, and you're like, this is fishy. Hmm. Like, let's just Did for I the just sake of the metaphor. Right, right. For the metaphor, sake of a metaphor, there's a, there's a, and it's beautiful, like gift wrapped, not just an Amazon package, like wrapping paper, beautifully done ribbon. It's not a. You don't have to. It doesn't say wait till December 25th. Doesn't say wait till whatever. Gift. I have a question. Are you going to open that? Yes. Right? Yeah. So I'm not saying are you going to play with the gift? You're going to use the gift? You can learn how to use it? But no, no, no. Are you going to open it? So receiving the gift. Mm. So what if rest is like, look, God just handed me a package. I'm going to sit down and open it. Mm -hmm. What's the package? It's rest. Like understanding this as a gift. Mm. So tonight, I'm not going to do anything. Right. Well, I'm probably going to cook dinner. <laughs> Like I'm not looking towards having anything to do tomorrow. Right. And that is a gift. That is a gift. So I, yeah. I like the idea of like genuinely deferring rest is like God handing you a, a, a gift, a gift, a present. Mm -hmm. With your name on it, bow, the whole bit. And you being like, I'm going to have to open that a little bit later. And God's like, I mean, I guess. That's weird. Just gave you a gift, but. You're not doing anything with it. Right. I have felt constantly anxious throughout this pandemic that I'm not getting enough done. The number of times that I have heard anyone concerned with the amount of work I'm doing from this church is zero. And in fact, I have heard repeatedly from people that I seem incredibly productive. Right. And I feel when I take a step back and look at the things that I'm doing that I am productive. But 
because there are spaces where I have to stop and breathe because, um, because this pandemic has done a number on me emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, because of that, I feel guilty and I feel like someone's going to go, he's doing what with this time? If I show up to a zoom meeting and I'm wearing my apron, cause I've been working on bread. They might be like, is he working on bread in the middle of the day? Shouldn't he be like dot, dot, dot. But, but like, is the work getting done? Like, right. And, and if there are things that aren't getting done, do they need to be getting done right now? Well, and I think one of the biggest things for me during this time um, is recognizing what my body feels like. Mm -hmm. And I think it was so early on, it was this time last year that... Um, Literally? Yeah. yeah. That I... The only way I knew how to function was to to go with how my body felt. Because I didn't... My brain so, wasn't doing it. Okay, so... So you were like the first person I knew who like was like, like knew, knew closely worked with mm -hmm. who was like, I'm not okay with what's happening physically. I'm not okay. Right. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay. And, and because that's not something I'd ever seen from you before. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember asking you some questions about it. I was like, is that normal for you? And you're like, no, this is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and because we have a good working relationship, but I, you know, and I trust you, I was like, well, like, I mean, even if I didn't trust you, I'd be like, well, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not going <laughs> right. to be like, you come to work no matter what. Like, that's just not my style. Yeah. But I remember being like, because I trust you, not only was I like, fine, I was also like, huh. Like, I thought about it. I was like, what, what is this? Right. So, and, and I've said this to you before, so this part isn't new, but I really felt like in some ways, and by the way, you know, you read from Ezekiel today. And Ezekiel, this story that you just read is actually really interesting because it's one of the things that all of his prophecies are dramatic events. Mm. They're not just, so Isaiah mm. speaks in, in poetry, mm -hmm. right? And Jeremiah will do some actions. Jeremiah will grab a clay pot and crush it and be like, yeah. that's what God's going to do to you, Judah. And you're like, oh, Jeremiah, take it down a notch. Ezekiel goes down in front of the, the, I don't know what the palace courts, whatever it is, and lies down on his side for days mm. and then flips over and lies down on the other side. And he's, he's, um, his body is prophesying the siege of mm. Jerusalem. He uses, God uses Ezekiel's body as a prophecy. He's not just enacting something like, like I said, he's not using his body to break a, a, a clay pot and say, this is you. And he's not using his words like Isaiah to say, you know, God is the great vine dresser who has planted this vineyard and you were, you know, you were wild grapes, but both beautiful things, great things. Right. Ezekiel's prophecy is located in the way that his body responds and how he uses his body. And so I have, I, you were like your body like prophesied something to all of us, to those who would have eyes to see and ears to hear it. And you had this, like you responded in this way that was so visceral. Mm -hmm. Now, of course I trusted you, but I also in full honesty, cause I'm me was like, 
the hell is going on with Annie? Like, <laughs> right. just like, what is, what is this? What am I like? Why is like, this happening? <laughs> right. And because I trust you, I was like, well, whatever it is, we're going with it. Go, you know, just go with it. Just, just go with it. I, I was gonna, but full candid, full candor. I was like, I don't get what's happening with her, but, but okay. Okay. I'll, right. I mean, my tendency is to try to be gentle and then see what happens after the fact. And, and sure enough, like first one, your body was right. Your body saw something and recognized something that your head fully hadn't grasped yet. Because when I asked you, you were like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then secondly, then because you listened to your body, you recovered from the initial trauma. Not that you're all out of, not that you're right. fully recovered, but you recovered from the initial trauma and bounced back more quickly than others. And we're sort of like, ready to rock and roll in some ways professionally and get, and get creative and do some of the things that needed to be done here mm -hmm. for us to make the transition to all remote because you had listened to the prophecy of your body. Yeah. And Is that a fair assessment I, of your situation? You gave me goosebumps feels, saying that. Like what it felt like to me when I was, when I look back at it, I'm like, all right. <laughs> all right. All right, Annie. Well, like, and I think that's what I've taken from this. Right. And like, I've taken listening to my body a little more and maybe, maybe that's a, a sense of rest in some way. Like maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe that's an, a way that I can da daily work in um, that restoration and that, that, that rest in some ways. Like, what is my body feeling like right now? Like yeah. actually asking that question, like, and since I fortunately or unfortunately was on that other end of the spectrum and I know what that felt like, I can, yeah. I'm able to gauge in some way, um, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. And then thinking, thinking of that, that breath, literal breath is something that we give to our body too. And you were, you were using the example of the box breathing that that is then something that also calms one and is able to, to kind of give that examination of a, of your body. I think even when we had that that meeting that Friday where we decided to shut everything down, I don't think you were there. No, I was home. Yeah. Yep. Which is weird. I would never normally make that decision without you. <laughs> uh, uh, but I was like, well, he's not here. Um, I was sitting on a couch trying to get a computer to work. Yeah. <laughs> that was a year ago. Mm -hmm. My goodness. Yep. There's this thing, we're doing this work in Genesis. This is going to be a total, it's a total shift. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm going to get meta and let you know. Great, it's a total shift. But I think it's connected for me in terms of going back to the language of Ezekiel that we started with. So we have these, uh, and this is, I'm just, I'm just going to, there's a, there's a, there's a, a theologian and writer and poet that, and preacher that this church, Church the Redeemer has a quite an affinity for, um, Walter Brueggemann, he wrote a commentary on Genesis, which has some really wonderful, wonderful things in it. It's helped me a lot. I've spent a lot of time with Genesis in general, and, and his text is one of the things that's been helpful in unlocking some things for me. 
But one of the things you focus on if you're going to study Genesis is there's a lot of genealogies, mm. which seem really unromantic and really boring. People just say they're boring. I mean, they're really the, 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 the non-fancy way to say it is like, it's just boring. It's like, and then so on begat so on and so on begat so on and so on. And right. And you're like, bah, 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 <laughs> right. But he talks about the fact that there's a genealogy that leads up to Abraham and that the, and that it ends with Abraham. And then, and then the, and then at the start of the story of Abraham, Abraham and Sarah cannot have children, mm -hmm. which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I would like, it's, it's always interesting. Where we're like, oh, that was a big deal a long time ago. No, it's also still a big deal. Right. When people, right. But in that case, it's survival. Right. Right. And, and, and so they cannot, they, they would want to, and they cannot, there will be no legacy for him. There will be no, right. what are they passing on into whom? And there's, there's, and there's genuine pain in that for them. And, and, and I want to just take a step back and realize, I, th you know, we live in a time still where that's normative, but we, we are understanding more and more that's not everybody's path and that's okay. But in the context of the writing, and of course, it's not just about fertility. It is like the it is like the capacity to partner with God in making life. And and in the story, he points out that in the genealogy, it ends with someone who cannot. Mm. And then when they can, it's because God decides they can. And what he says is, what Brueggemann points out is that we tend to think of the ability to make more people as just a given, as something we can do. But he points out, no, it's not. Life, the ability to create life is not at all a given. That in fact, this, even the ability to make, to give and create life is, is something that God allows. And, and, and it only happens by the, even the, the creation of new life, the propagation of our species happens only by the grace of God. And so his point is like, all of our efforts are only fruitful if God breathes the mm -hmm. breath. And so we are stuck in the addiction to work because we believe that our work is what makes us productive, which makes this world go around, mm -hmm. which makes progress inevitable, which makes everything be what it's supposed to be. And Brueggemann's point, which I believe he's tapping into what God's point is, mm -hmm. is no. Fruitfulness comes from God. And even in your working, you are only working because God has given you the ability to do that work. And when your work is fruitful, it is because you are partnering with God. Mm -hmm. And that's that. And it's, and when you, and guess what happens when God's, when you don't have God's breath? you cease to be. Mm -hmm. So it is, so, so like the idea I bring, I just want to bring back to like our addiction to productivity and busyness is not actually about our desire for a better world. Zero percent. It is about our insecurity about our belonging in this world. And if only we can do this amount, we can prove we belong. Now, unlike many of our friends and colleagues of our generation, I am not inherently a critic of capitalism, but I have to acknowledge 
that within the within a system that commodifies everything, mm-hmm. the temptation to make our lives a commodity is so great that it might even be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And is overwhelming for many people. Yeah. That the ability to turn our hours in time is money. Well, yeah. Is acceptable. And your life is valuable in so much as what you are able to earn, achieve, or a- accomplish. I mean, in our society, we have an influence influencers, right? Like that is their job. Like right. literally their life is the product. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although I don't a hundred percent hate that I, one because I'm kind of that. Right. Like that's kind of what priests are. Right. But what if your what if your life was the was not the norm, right? Like what if right. what if what you're what you're selling isn't yeah. isn't the I don't know the right word, but what if it, it's not the the norm? Like what if it isn't the yeah. I want you to finish that. I don't know. I don't. I mean, because you got it. You're like right on the edge of something. I know. I, I don't. Know I don't know. Like, what if? What if? Yeah. Like, what if the the idea? I keep thinking this idea that popped in my head is that we think of those that um like a like different like a like a different. I think of like a a gay family, right? Or, okay. or like that is a very different representation that is not seen in society. But then when that is shown, right, yeah, then it becomes part of the norm. So, mm, I mean, it's, okay. it's okay. very similar to like how can we elevate um, the idea of your worth yeah. as who you are doing the amount that you're doing yeah. as the new – Normal or the as a norm. What if, right? What if we incorporate? So it's like incorporating new ways of being into the norm, expanding what is normal. Is at least, if not normative, at least acceptable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if I, you know, people are always like, I know you're very busy, and it's like, what if you didn't know I was very busy? Right. What if you just valued my time? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying people don't. Right. But we use the language we use. Instead of saying, you know, your your time is valuable to me and I appreciate your time. So I want to talk with you about this when you're able. Mm-hmm. It's different than, I know you're very busy, so let me know when you can fit me in. Yeah, that is a now, different now here's the thing. Yeah, I know that sometimes people mean that when they say that. Mm-hmm. But, but, it, but, here's, but words mean things. Mm-hmm. And what if we shifted our language? Um, I have made it a, a, a practice in the last... Actually, it started when I came to Redeemer, and I don't know why it started. I genuinely can't remember. But I've made it a practice when I'm generally, not I don't get it right 100% of the time, when I'm meeting with someone, that when I'm done with meeting them, I try to say, thank you for taking time for me. Yeah. And first of all, I've gotten negative responses to saying that zero times. Right, of course. No one's ever like, how dare you? <laughs> Oftentimes people express surprise. You know, they're like, right. well, no, thank you. And I'm like, well, we're both thankful. It turns, <laughs> guess what? What if both our times are valuable mm-hmm. and we're both grateful? But I just, it, something happened in me in the last few years where I realized um, 
I realized that it was important to me to let people know uh, that their time matters. And I've, and I've, I've often, like, I've often felt like whenever I cut, whenever I, you know, in a normal pre-pandemic times, when I would get up to preach on a Sunday, not even then, just like when people show up on a Sunday at all, mm-hmm. I'm always blown away that people bother to show up. No one made you come here and this is what you came to do. Yeah. That they I mean, I'm in, that. I'm in, yeah. I love it. You chose this too. How cool is that? Listen, here's my covenant with you. I will try not to waste this time. Yeah, yeah. I make no promises, but I will try not to waste this time because your time is, I'm not going to get into value or money, but your time is a part of your life and it's sacred. And I, and I want to mm-hmm. honor that. Mm-hmm. Time is money. Come on. We got to move away from that. We got to move away from I mean, that. and it's just, again, it just is human worth. Like, yeah, it is. I mean, worth isn't money either. So how do we? Well, yeah. And then there, and, and, and there's a, I have a lot of opinions about worth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, but, but essentially what are we asking? We're saying, do I belong here? Do I belong here? And rest is dangerous in our minds because it pushes up against, it makes us confront the idea that maybe possibly Mm -hmm. we belong here even when we're not doing anything. And that is terrifying. Mm -hmm. What if your belonging isn't attached to what you bring to the table. Still my favorite thing in the world is like some meme of a kid, it's some picture and it's like really old now, then it's really, you know, 15 years old. It's like this little kid with a shirt that says, I bring nothing to the table. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, that's how I want people to come to Eucharist. Mm-hmm. I want you to show up being like, I, no value added here. I'm just here. <laughs> and they put their hands out and I'm like, you don't need to. You still, yeah. I mean, and Rast, this is yours. what just popped into my head is um, be still and know that I am God. Yes. Yeah. So what if we were, what if, at least for, for me, like, I mean, I could say that what if this idea of if I was still and, and rested in the, the fact that I knew that God is there. God is there and God is there for you mm-hmm. and with you mm-hmm. in your corner. As Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. So if God tells you to rest, who cares what anyone else says? Yeah. I know you're going to read a different prayer to close, mm-hmm. but oh my goodness, on page 832 of the Book of Common Prayer, the prayer for quiet confidence. Oh my gosh. Yeah. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of your Spirit, lift us, we pray, to your presence, where we may be still and know that you are God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
that prayer. Oh my gosh. Just by the might of your spirit, lift us, we pray, to your presence. Interesting of this choice of close of prayer. Oh God, in the course of this busy life, give us times of refreshment and peace and grant that we may so use our leisure to rebuild our bodies and renew our minds, that our spirits may be opened to the goodness of your creation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Interesting. How very contradicting those two are. I don't buy that. I don't, I don't buy, buy this one at all. all. <laughs> that prayer literally just said, give us rest so we can be more productive. Yeah. Oh, man. Sometimes we just miss the... Sometimes our tradition just misses it, misses the mark. That's okay. It's okay to miss the mark. But it is... But we also don't know what it looks like, too. So that's the hard... Well, So, th so, so the tricky thing is, as our church... The, the Episcopal Church is moving towards a, a more... Uh, not And not all at once, and not everybody. But is moving towards a more... And I hate this term, but I'm going to use it anyway politically progressive sort of presence. However one feels about that, I definitely believe in the importance of a, of a church that is not connected to the work of justice in the real world is not alive in Christ. That being said, that um, the, 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 um, the social justice movement and the quote-unquote social justice warrior culture can very often be just as achievement oriented and find no space for grace or rest within it and can be just as idolatrous of busyness and fruitfulness and productivity as any other culture so the so so the 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 um this is not a condemnation of either progressive politics or any other specific ideology so much as to say all of them are guilty of the same behavior if they are not rooted in the grace of God mm -hmm. and acknowledging of the need of rest. And our tradition, however well-mannered or well-intended, well, well, whatever our intentions are, right? What are we always learning about these days? The difference between intent and impact. Your intent may be for us to be more restful. The impact you are having is you are making us think that we have to prove that our rest mm. uh, achieved something or else. Mm -hmm. To which I say, <laughs> <laughs> that your uh, your closed caption was raspberry. <laughs> Wait, are you watching closed caption? No, not I right mean, now. No. But in oh, real just, life, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Phil blows raspberry. are always right, on, absolutely. and I'm, I'm amused. Phil blows raspberry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, and it's so it's like the church at least. I mean, it, the church's understanding of its identity, um, even even in like gothic gothic cathedrals and everything, is such a countercultural place. And it was to take you from the world, right? That like this is a place that you are no longer, and you are able to rest in yourself and be with God. I mean, there's something to it. There's something to it. You you are a citizen of heaven. Mm -hmm. This is Paul says. Your primary citizenship is heaven. Your primary authority is Jesus. If you are looking for validation for your actions, uh, for your for the, your actions of rest, look no further. Yeah. And we, if we're going to take seriously, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, 
on earth as there is it is in heaven, then we must understand that. It also means there are naps in heaven. And I'm not a good napper, so maybe no, when I'm in heaven, I'll be maybe in heaven I'll just crush it. That'd be great. What are you gonna what are you gonna Phil, what have you been doing? Napping? How long? A million years. Just I been just great. had a little snack, had some goldfish. Oh, right. Fell a million asleep years. with it on my face. We're here for an eternity. If I want to nap for a million years, no problem. There's no less day, days to nap God's praise than when we first begun. Oh gosh. Oh man. And I, on that note, I feel I feel like we ended in a good place. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm so glad you read that prayer because it got me all riled up. I now I'm I wish it was the begin the opening prayer. I would have gotten gotten you offended. Right. <laughs> ah, it's uh, probably better that I started not in that place. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Enjoy thank your you. enjoy your rest. <laughs>